Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Get Your Goat. A lot to get into today again. Like always, so many things happening in the world of sports constantly. Free agent signings, Aaron Rodgers news, NBA, what's going on there, races tightening up, what LeBron has been saying. I'm going to give you my take on the nasty hit that Tom Wilson delivered on both Pavel Buchnevich and Artemi Panarin in the NHL in the Capitals-Rangers game the other day in the rematch. I'm going to give you my NHL top five in the beautiful Astros-Yankees rivalry. The fans in New York Stadium. Oh, it's good. I'm loving it. So let's get right into it today. Starting off quickly in the NFL with a signing that the Ravens completed yesterday. Alejandro Villanueva has now signed with the Ravens. And what I think is a great move for the Ravens. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the Ravens, so root for him his team, but they reached a two-year deal with him, $14 million, and I believe it is a good deal because he will now replace Orlando Brown, who they just traded to the Kansas City Chiefs a little over a week ago uh, before the draft. Now, Villanueva is typically a left tackle. He's been there the past six seasons as a left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, was a great fit, uh, but I think he'll also be a great fit on the Baltimore Ravens line as a right tackle. Uh, to me, Villanueva is a better run tackle, a run block tackle, than Orlando Brown. But to me, Orlando Brown's a better pass uh, protector. But with a team that runs the football, has Lamar Jackson running the football, uh, read pass options, RPOs, uh, run pass options, all those things, uh, to me, this will just be really great uh, for Lamar, uh, getting him. And then also they have Ronnie Staley coming back from injury last year, uh, who's a great left tackle. But if his ankle doesn't hold up, if he gets injured again, you have insurance at left tackle. Uh, Villanueva is a pro bowler. I mean, to me, they just have a big offensive line. Their whole offensive line is over uh, 300 pounds each. Big guys uh, who I think will be able to protect Lamar. Uh, they signed Kevin Zietler for right guard. They have a right tackle solidified. Uh, to me, their left side as well as well if they stay healthy. So to me, it's really just a center uh, piece. But it was a great move because they knew they weren't going to get a deal done with Orlando Brown. You trade him for draft picks. And then uh, you go up and sign uh, Villanueva from your arch uh, rival, the Steelers. And... You know, you're kind of set on offensive line is now. You didn't draft anybody, in the, you didn't draft anyone offensive lineman. So, you know, you had to do it. So you poached it from a rival who you played twice a year, hurt them. So, to me, the Ravens did great in this deal, great. Uh, does it change this outlook for me on their season or Lamar Jackson? No, but it was a good signing for them. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it's not a, you know, game-changing uh, 
Super Bowl contending type move, but it is a play changing uh, type move if the Baltimore Ravens did uh, signing Alejandro, who has been a great tackle for a while. Then Aaron Rodgers is not the only one upset before I get to him. Marcus Peters, cornerback for the Baltimore Ravens, is upset, calling out his old team, the Los Angeles Rams, who said that he was upset and disrespected uh, from a trade that he was involved with a, a couple years ago when... You know, I believe he said that, you know, you can trade him and do what he wants. But they said, uh, no, we like your game. But then he said two minutes later, uh, they bring in a guy who basically does the same stuff that he does, which was Jalen Ramsey. They essentially uh, traded Marcus Peters to the uh, Ravens and then flipped what they got from the Ravens to the Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey. To me, that trade was a huge win for uh, the Los Angeles uh, Rams because Jalen Ramsey has been the better player uh, for the what's it called the Rams. You know, the Rams sent, you know, just two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, recouped what they got from a Ravens heel. And to me, you know, Marcus Peters was the guy in uh, Kansas City. He was on the Chiefs before they won the Super Bowl. He was there for the first year. And he got torched a lot. He liked to uh, – he was great. He's great at man coverage, pass press coverage. But he gets he bit a lot. Uh, he, then he was got burned because he's not the fastest cornerback. Uh, so that's why he was traded from Matrice because he got burned constantly. Even though he had eight interceptions, uh, you know that was it for him. So they traded him to the Rams, and the Rams had a terrible defense, even with Marcus uh, Peters there. Uh, Marcus Peters didn't help that defense, and you know it was the same issues uh, that plagued him with the Kansas City Chiefs were plaguing him. Uh, by the Rams. So then they flipped him to the Ravens, and then they got Jalen Ramsey, and now the Ravens have a great defense, but the Rams have the best defense. Jalen Ramsey has been the best cornerback uh, since then, but this all stems back also to a game they played a couple years ago, Monday Night Football, right after the trade where the Ravens uh, crushed the Rams 45 uh to six, ran the Rams right out of the Coliseum. Marcus Peters yelled some things towards Jalen Ramsey. Of course, knowing Ramsey, he got back, so it was two hotheads that went at it. So Marcus Peters clearly does not like the Rams or the situation that was handled there in Los Angeles. So there's bad blood, but why bring this up? Well, because the NFL added a 17th game season, and these two teams were not slated to play each other. But since there's a 17th game season, the Ravens are going to host the Rams 
is part of their last game. That's why this is news. And to me, I'm looking forward to that game. You know, you kind of forget about, uh, you know, games like that, a 45-6 to game, and kind of a back and forth between those teams. But, you know, Marcus Peters doesn't forget. I'm sure Jalen Ramsey heard what he said. That's going to be must-watch TV come the end of this year when Week 17 is here. Marcus Peter and Jalen Ramsey, two-star cornerbacks. Now I have to give Marcus Peters credit because he's been better. He's developed better instincts, better ball skills. Uh, doesn't pick the ball off as much anymore, but he doesn't get burned as, as much uh, as he used to, and it helps having a guy like Marlon Humphreys on the other side to back him up. But this is a game of football. Trash talking is inevitable. And speaking of trash talking, there's been reports that Aaron Rodgers has been doing just that. There's actually been a lot of crazy reports surrounding Aaron Rodgers. Who knows if all of them are true, what are true, what's not. But these are some of the things I've been reading. Uh, He's been telling uh, free agents, but before free agency started, that he didn't expect to be back this coming year in 2021. Now that sends a red flag. So to me, that's not a huge deal. Because but Packers typically are not a big spend free agency kind of team. You know, they try to re-sign their players. But they don't re-sign anybody or they don't pick anybody and sign anybody new. Maybe they sign one player here or there. But this year, they didn't sign anybody in free agency. Not one player went there. You know, there's usually, you know, backup wide receiver, maybe a depth piece here or there. You shell out, you know, a couple million for but you don't spend big money. They didn't spend any money in free agency, which was very surprising uh, to me because there was needs, especially after they lost their starting center. Also been reports of Aaron Rodgers calling his general manager, who's there been also reports on him wanting him fired, uh, Jerry Krause mocking him at meetings uh, and via text as well. And then... There's also been reports of the 49ers and Broncos reached out to him personally to gauge his interest in them, uh, which would breach uh, some of the rules and NFL regulations. So a lot of craziness uh, going on, for sure. Both sides are not handling it right. We haven't heard anything directly from Aaron Rodgers. No one has. It's just been reports and You know, maybe something down the grapevine, but Aaron Rodgers has not come out with a statement. Either way, he hasn't come out with a statement uh, de-escalating the situation and saying, hey, you know, these reports aren't true, we're trying to work through it. And he hasn't come out with a statement that's saying, you know, yeah, you know, please trade me. He hasn't come out publicly. (laughs) So to me, he's not acting mature because other people have come out into his defense. Matt LaFleur, head coach for the Green Bay Packers, of course, loves 
Aaron Rodgers knows how great he is to his team because he's a head coach. The head coach would know uh, how great of a player he is, you know, compared to owners, general managers, and such. Matt LaFleur knows he's disappointed by the situation. He wants him back. He says he can't envision anybody else as his quarterback right now other than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, general manager and owner have come out and said they haven't heard anything uh, like that. Uh, you know, they're trying to work with Aaron. But then reports come out right after that that says, you know, everything is beyond repair. I do believe this situation is beyond repair. And I do believe that the Packers should trade him for what they deem is fair. Or they should let, you know, him retire and then sign, you know, with a different team uh, next year if he comes back and he's no longer retired. Or uh, trade his rights or something like that. But to me, this is not a situation... You want uh, on your team, your locker room, uh, Devontae Adams tweeting, you know, appreciate what you have, what you got. Uh, Aaron Rodgers liked that tweet. Uh, Him and Devontae are obviously close. Uh, But this is just sad for Packers football and those cheesehead fans who believe they are something special to me. Cowboys fans are terrible fans. Their fan base is something else. Same with the Packers fans. They're the same way every year. Is you know their off season is bad. Nobody likes their off season, but you forget about it when Aaron Rodgers is out on the field having an MVP type season, and he tells you all to R E L A X, relax, and you do. You fall into the Aaron Rodgers trance, and you relax. Everything smooth sailing. You win 12 games. You win 13 games. You have a one seed or a two seed. Aaron Rodgers is up for MVP yet again. You win your playoff game. This is great. One more away from going to the Super Bowl. And you lose into the NFC Championship game. And the trance that Aaron Rodgers has put you in has been gone, broken, snapped, you're out of it. You realize, oh my goodness, I need another wide receiver right there outside Devontae Adams. There needs to be another guy outside him. Yes, he is the best wide receiver, but we need another good wide receiver. Our left tackle was injured, but the whole offensive line itself didn't look good. Aaron Jones didn't look good. Our defense didn't look good. What happened there? We were just fringe top 10. What happened? Now I have this huge wish list of things that need to get done between now and next season. I have a wish list of free agent possibilities. See what falls through. And then draft possibilities. So then the Packers fan looks at free agency and nothing happens in free agency. Typically every year, maybe they have one minor signing. So they're like, ooh, there's a lot of work to get done in the draft. But we only have seven picks. Not all of them will be day one starters. So we pick in a draft. 
A lot of them surprising. Uh, I don't think we needed him at first. We could have used that. Uh, what are we doing drafting him in that round? That doesn't make sense. And you're frustrated. But then day one happens. And the 100 and whatever days of offseason are over. You're back watching the game. They win. And you throw that offseason wish list out the door. Everything you were just thinking about prior to the season and what they needed is gone. And you're back and the cycle starts again. To where he's great. Best player in the league. The GOAT. All this slander. And then they lose again in FC Championship offseason. All that. Then it all happens again. But without Aaron Rodgers, you no longer have that security blanket. Packers fans, general manager, coach, you no longer have that. You have, I have all these off-season wish lists, this roster, this draft, I have everything's needed. Now I need a quarterback. Now that's the most important piece, we just had him. We need to build around him. Now we need another quarterback to build around So it's just this vicious cycle the Packers fans go through, uh, but they're, you know, misaligned and misguided most, if not all, of the season until the offseason comes. But without Aaron Rodgers, uh, it shows what kind of shell of a team and sham that they really are. And I don't want to see no Packers fans waving their flags if Aaron Rodgers leaves your team. Your days are done. I don't think he'll win anything if he stays. He's in a good situation now. Uh, you know, fourth best team. Seems like every year, fourth best team. Uh, but if he wants to get out, what kind of situations are there? Doesn't look like the 49ers will do business now after what happened. But what about other teams on the wish list? The Raiders and the Broncos. Let's take a look at the Raiders first, or the Broncos first. I believe the Broncos would have to trade Drew Locke quarterback, Noah Fant, tight end, and three first-round picks. This would be a great haul for the Broncos as they get a young stud, tight end, and Noah Fant. They get three first-round picks for three consecutive years, so you're most likely going to have two first-round picks of your own in the Broncos, and you get Drew Locke. And you have weapons. You have a great offensive line already. You have Devontae Adams. You'll have Noah Fant. You have Robert Tunyon, so you have people. So then you can decide if Drew Locke's really the man in your system or not, or if we're going to spend one of our plethora of first-round picks on a quarterback or not. So that's what you do. So Green Bay would be fine. Will they be where they're at now? No, but they'd be fine. What about the Broncos, though? How do the Broncos look? Well... He has Melvin Gordon in the backfield. Not bad. Downgrade over Aaron Jones, but he's got Javante Williams' backup, which is good. Super fast. You have a nice two-back set. Your wide receivers, Jerry Judy, who I think will be a star in the NFL if he's paired with the right quarterback. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler. So you've got young offensive weapons. It's a young team. Their offensive line is nearly not that great. But Aaron Rodgers can a little mobile. He can scramble around out of the pocket. He can do his thing. 
And then on the defense, that's what Aaron Rodgers gets. He gets a defense headlined by a secondary of Justin Simmons, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and drafted Patrick Sertan. And then up front, you've got Bradley Chubb, Shelby Harris, and Von Miller coming back. Formidable pass rush and secondary. Oof. That is good stuff. That is looking really good. But guess what? You have to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. They have a tougher schedule this year. They play at Cleveland. They play at Dallas. They play the Ravens. Like I said, they play Kansas City twice. They play uh, the Steelers. The Chargers are up and coming. So they have a tougher schedule. I believe if they had Aaron Rodgers on that team, they would go 10-7. and I believe they'd lose one to the Chiefs. They lose to the Browns. They lose one to the Raiders. They lose to the Steelers. And then there's always that fluky game as well that you lose. So they go 10 and 7, 11 and 5 in that tough division. They could lose to Patrick Mahomes uh, twice, uh, for all I care. Uh, it'd be a tough road ahead of him as well. The offense, as I said, is young, but. To me, they're not an upgrade over what he has right now on offense. To me, the defense is an upgrade, and the potential is definitely there. But I believe if he plays Patrick Mahomes twice a year, if he beats him twice a year, wins a Super Bowl, there's all this talk right now of you know Aaron Rodgers entering the GOAT conversation. If he beats Patrick Mahomes twice a year, sends him to the wild card, he makes it to the Super Bowl, and that bumps Patrick Mahomes down. And yes, how it is, but... A lot of people are talking about, like, Patrick Mahomes. Excuse me. That Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT already. That's what confuses me. People forget that Tom Brady is on an echelon by himself that is a GOAT. He's got horns. He's got the yellow eyes, uh, the nose, the hooves. He's got everything. Tom Brady is... A goat. It's what he is. He's not the goat. He's a goat. He's the greatest of all time. So you have people below him. And everybody's vying for the second spot. Because if Aaron Rodgers wins two, beats Patrick Mahomes twice a year in the division, he's not the goat. He has to beat Tom Brady plenty more times to be considered the goat. But if he beats Aaron, but we're all talking like Patrick Mahomes... Somehow is a go right now. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love him as much as anybody. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love his style of play. But if Aaron Rodgers comes here and beats him, uh, Patrick Mahomes moves down the list. Aaron Rodgers moves up the list. You know, possibly to you know number three or number two on my quarterbacks. I believe uh, Joe Montana spot at second is solidified there. Then you you know you have Peyton Manning. Uh, in crew down there buying it you know third to five Drew Brees but he'd pass those guys I believe if you're winning another another Super Bowl especially ousting Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes would then you know have to crawl his way back up the list but it'd be entertaining to see him versus Patrick Mahomes but let's not forget Tom Brady's the GOAT there'd be no GOAT conversation if you know he beats Patrick Mahomes twice a year that no I mean, you beat the Chiefs' defense twice, so you don't really beat Patrick Mahomes twice a year. 
but I believe even though this team on defense is a lot worse, the Raiders should intrigue Aaron Rodgers more, and the Raiders should be intrigued more uh, trading for Aaron Rodgers. I believe the Raiders would, of course, have to trade Derek Carr, their quarterback, three first-round picks, and then you throw in a third-rounder. So to me, this trade would be better for the Packers as well. They get the same haul, three first-round picks, an additional third-rounder, because every team loves when you throw in a sweetener like a third-rounder. And then you get Derek Carr, who to me is a good quarterback. He's reliable. He's been there after his entry. He looked good last year in spurts. Uh, I don't think the coaching is right there. I like John Gruden, but I just don't know if he fits that system. I think Matt LaFleur can see if he can coach Derek Carr up. Uh, He's got Devontae Adams, a receiver he's never had before. He's got a decent offensive line. He's got a solid running game. So I think it'd be beneficial, be mutually beneficial, benefit both these guys. And he'd have a better defense too to hold up. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, on the Raiders offense is more scary than what it is now on the Packers offense and Derek Carr going there and what the Raiders have. Raiders have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. To me, that's just as good as Aaron Jones and DJ Dillon. Josh Jacobs is a star, amazing running back. Kenyon Drake is a great third down running back, pass catching running back. Uh, showed it in the Cardinals last couple of years in the Dolphins. That's a great running back tandem to have. That'll benefit Aaron Rodgers in the play action. Then you've got speedster, X route, deep throw factor, Henry Ruggs, and you could have an accurate quarterback to throw him a football on Aaron Rodgers. Slot receiver Hunter Renfro, who can ball, especially with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And then you have superstar tight end, who's my third favorite, third best tight end, Darren Waller. To me, that's the signs of a good offense. A good offensive line as well. They're kind of rebuilding it. It's not as good as it'll be last year uh, with the pieces they're shuffling. But it's still better than a lot of other offensive lines out there. And you got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You know, you have a subpar defense. It's shown signs of life. They've drafted there uh, recently. So it's young. They need to grow. They especially just need to get after the quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers could have a great situation. And to me, John Gruden has half the dilemma of the Chiefs. All it looks like he always beats them one time a year. The other time it's close. Or if they lose both times a year, both games are close. It's one possession games. The difference is Aaron Rodgers. He'd have a better chance beating Patrick Mahomes on the Raiders than he would on the Broncos. I think it'd be mutually beneficial for both teams to explore a trade there. And then Las Vegas already, you know, the Sin City, that is is, gets the mad upset center himself. Aaron Rodgers, a ghost rider who will be there to torment teams playing in the Death Star. What better combination than to have John Gruden, Star Wars-loving man himself, Aaron Rodgers, playing in the Death Star. That is just too good to be true. I would love to see it. I don't foresee it happening. 
but that'd be something else. And to me, the Raiders have a slightly, you know, they have the same schedule as the Broncos since they're in the same division. They play them twice a year. You know, they play the Browns, Cowboys, Colts, all that. Their 17th game is easier. You know, they play the football team, Bengals and such. But I think this team would be much better uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Now, moving on to the NBA. Monday night, I was right on the Warriors beating the Pelicans. Steph Curry played really, really good uh, that night on the Marvel Hero Night. Uh, He was knocking down shot after shot. Uh, Draymond Green was a force as well who had a triple-double. But Steph Curry, you know, his 41 points uh, was just too much for Zion Williams, 32 Golden State kept them in check most of the game, was up uh, most of the game. They were just especially much more efficient uh, from three. The Pelicans were not, you know, a very lowly 20% uh, percent from three. Zion didn't make a shot uh, at all. Johnson didn't. William Gabriel didn't. Lonzo Ball was one for nine with seven points, three for 18 from the field. I mean, that would not get it done against this Warriors team, and it did not. This Warriors team was too much. Then, surprisingly, I was wrong. I'm a Nuggets beating the Lakers. The Lakers surprised me and won. Anthony Davis, without LeBron James, played his best game of the season. Had 25 points, a couple huge blocks. There at the end, yes to me, Nikola Jocic is the man, the MVP. But Anthony Davis stepped up when he needed to and looked really, really good to me. This was the first game that the Nuggets without Jamal Murray on offense, it was showing. Couldn't pick on him to, you know, pick them up. Aaron Gordon struggled in the minutes that he played. But this team, the Lakers, looked much better, especially from three. They were knocking down perimeter shots. Marcus Gasol was playing well. KCP Caruso added in points. And then, like I said, the threes were not dropping for the Nuggets. I believe somewhere around 28%. Two for seven, Michael Porter. Aaron Gordon didn't make his. Everybody else around the one for four mark. So it was the Lakers doing damage in a tight defensive battle. Lakers hung it out 93 to 89. Good for the Lakers to get that huge win over a good Denver Nuggets team that's been playing really well recently uh, without Jamal Murray. Very surprised that the Lakers won that game. Then another NBA news. The Suns held on to the number one seed, beating the Cavs in overtime yesterday. Uh, surprised they had such a tough time, but in overtime, Went on a total of 20-4 run uh, and put them away behind Devin Booker's 31 points and Chris Paul having 16 assists along with 23 points. That double-double was insane. Then the Bucks beat the Nets, so that's back-to-back wins for the Bucks against the Nets, which is huge in the standings-wise considering Milwaukee's only a game and a half back. 
in Milwaukee has a game in hand, so ideally it could only be one game back with Milwaukee having the tiebreaker over them. Brooklyn has a tougher stretch down the middle. They play the Mavericks next, then the Nuggets. Before they have it easy, that game is in Denver. Well, while Milwaukee just has it easy uh, playing, you know, Rockets, Magic, lowly teams. Milwaukee could sneak up here for two spot. That'd be very, very bad news, I believe, for the Brooklyn Nets, who want home court advantage at least for the first two rounds of the playoffs. They would want that. Then, the rematch, the Warriors-Pelicans from the night before. Pelicans able to do it again. Steph Curry, yes, 37 points. But, Ly- or trying to combine two names here. Lonzo Ball awoke from his 7-point terrible shooting night, 1 for 9 from 3. He erupted for 33.7 for 13 from 3. Looked like a totally different man and helped his team win. Clippers edged it out against the Raptors. So the standings are shifting as we speak. Uh, Right now, Lakers will play the Clippers in the first round. But Dallas is right there tied for them in record. Denver wins, then Denver's back to three. So it's just this chess game. I believe the Lakers are playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. I believe the New York Knicks are going to be locking up that fourth spot very soon, making a lot of people in New York happy. But as of my picks for the NBA tonight, I will just be picking one game, and that is the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz. San Antonio has not been playing good recently, getting blown out. Uh, Utah's at home, and I believe Utah is going to win this game. Even with Donovan Mitchell out, Mike Conley out, I believe Rudy Gobert steps up. Jordan Clarkson has been stepping up as well. Uh, They down the Spurs, who are in the 10th spot last in the play-in. They get downed. Uh, brings it that much closer for the New Orleans Pelicans. And to me, that'd be an exciting play-in. If the four teams you have in the play-in are Portland, Golden State, Memphis, and New Orleans. So you have the 7 and 8. You have Dame Lillard versus Steph Curry in the play-in. And then you've got John Morant versus Zion Williamson. In the play-in. And then you have the two losers of that gameplay. So you could get a Steph Curry, John Morant, or a Dame Lillard, John Morant, or a Steph Steph, uh, Zion matchup. To me, the West play-in is looking really, really good compared to the East play-in. Ooh, to me, and to me, it's funny. We're talking about the play-in. And you have LeBron, you know, save it, whoever's the, made this, you know, needs to get fired, which is funny because he didn't say that last year. You know, he said, you know, you know, let them play each other all eight times. And it's funny, you know, you have teams that are in the, uh, near the bottom of the edge, you know, when you are 
than the play in. Maybe you have a better record, especially Portland, who's kind of six games up on the 10th seed. You're like, I don't want to play the play in. And when you're high, you know, you don't have Phoenix stars. You don't have Chris Paul or Devin Booker or Kawhi Leonard or Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant talking about the play in because they're a high seed. They're not worried about the play in. LeBron is worried about the play in, which says something to other teams. You know, he's worried. He's nervous. He doesn't want to play the play-in. Uh, nobody does, but then you have stars like Steph Curry uh, who wants the opportunity to be the play-in, especially if you're the ninth seed and you're tied. Right now Memphis is tied for with Golden State, but Golden State has the tiebreaker. So if a playoffs ended, Golden State gets in, Memphis is like, we never had a chance. You know, we never had, I should rephrase that, we never had a shot. We have the same record. I mean, come on, they have a tiebreaker. Uh, but, you know, give us a shot. You don't know what happens, especially... If it's a one versus eight matchup, Phoenix wipes the floor with eight. Then you know the nine team, you know, stays as they stayed up all night thinking, you know, what the heck, you know, we just had a chance. But I do like the play-in. I think it makes things very interesting uh, for the game of basketball. Now moving on to the NHL. Monday night, I was wrong on my first pick. On the Rangers beating the Capitals. But I was right. I thought it was going to be right as the Rangers were up 3-2. Uh, to two. And then... Actually, my bad. They were up... Uh, I believe they were up... Yes, they were up 3-2. to two. They scored three unanswered goals. They were looking good. Then they got on the power play... And all hell broke loose after one of the whistles. I wish I could share with you uh, the video, but I cannot. What essentially happened was Tom Wilson, if you're an NHL fan, close to NHL, you know the name Tom Wilson. If you're not, Tom Wilson is a dirty Dirty hockey player uh, who has, as my brother would say, no skills. He is just there to hit people. That's all Tom Wilson is there for. He's a big guy. He's an instigator. So what he does is after uh, the play is over, whistles blown dead, a Ranger player, Pavel Buchnevich, he's just laying on the ground near the goalie, doing nothing wrong. Tom Wilson gets to his knees and sucker punches Pavel Buchnevich. Rangers don't like it. Ryan Strom gets in there, pushes Tom Wilson around. Panarin gets in there as well. So then, you know, just a typical hockey scrum approaches out. You think nothing of it. Refs are going to defuse the situation. But with Tom Wilson, who's an animal and is a legitimate freak, nothing gets defused. Even ragdolls a top five player. Artemi Panarin grabs him by his hair, body slams him on the ground, then picks him up again by his hair, and body slams him on the ground, uh, which was surprising to me because then afterwards, Panarin's injured. It's been announced that he's not playing any more games this season. Is He's injured from that, uh, rightfully so. He did not look right after what happened there. Tom Wilson was charged a two-minute penalty for uh, roughing, in a 10-minute misconduct, but he was not ejected from the game. 
which he should have been. Even afterwards, he was fired. I shouldn't say fired. He was fined $5,000, not suspended, which is surprising because you have Artemi Panarin, a top five player in the league. You want to protect your star players, and you don't. You don't protect your star players. Uh, so the NHL, New York Rangers sent a statement to the NHL saying that they were extremely disappointed that Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety George Peros and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Good for the New York Rangers. Good for them writing that, getting that off their chest, getting fined $25,000 for speaking the truth. Because Tom Wilson is a repeat offender. He is, you know me, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan. That's my team. So you know the team that I hate more than the dirty Philadelphia Flyers is the dirtier Washington Capitals and players like Tom Wilson, who I've seen firsthand break my players' jaws, send my players to the hospital, so I know firsthand what it's about. Uh, I can't stand the guy, no matter who he plays, who he plays against. So when I saw that live uh, Monday night, that my dad said it was Bush League. It was more than Bush League. Uh, this that was wanting to be a type of UFC type of takedown, and this is the NHL. It's not the UFC. Uh, Tom Wilson, if you want to go in the UFC, you know you can go fight Kamaru Usman and get your ass handed to you. Uh, there's no place. And that for hockey anymore, I'm all for, you know, fights and for scrums here and there. But, you know, for malicious intent, uh, grabbing Panarin like he did the other night, that is uncalled for. I believe he should be suspended indefinitely. And we see what's happening in other leagues. In the game of football, when we saw, you know, Miles Garrett take the helmet off somebody. Who was he was provoked when he did that? And then he hit Mason Rudolph across the head with his own helmet. He was suspended indefinitely. Uh, in basketball, you're suspended almost for anything. So the fact that Wilson's not suspended for that uh, is surprising. You're not protecting star players in this league. It's a, just a bad look uh, for the NHL as well when they don't remi- remediate the situation, handle it correctly. You know, that is just a bummer. But I'm not done with this. I'll return in just a second to talk about that because I have to talk about my Penguins real quick. Well, I was sort of right on my pick on Monday. I thought it said they would win, but if they win, they'll lose on uh, the next day, which would have been yesterday, but if they lose Monday, then they win on Tuesday. And that was sort of right, sort of wrong, because I picked them to win and lose. But actually, if they lost, then they won. So I will say I was sort of right. On that, uh, but they look good against the Penguins or against the Flyers uh, in that second game. Not in that first game of Guinea Malkin to me was not the problem. But I will now give you 
my NHL top five. Starting with number five, my team. I can finally put them in there after wanting to put them in there all year. My Pittsburgh Penguins are team number five. Why? Well, they're winners out of three of their past four. They are leading a tough East division with the likes of the Capitals, the Bruins, and the Islanders, and the Rangers who are also eliminated. So it's a tough division. And to me, they've got the best line in hockey. Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, and Sidney Crosby is the best line. The 200-foot games by them all, the offensive prowess of them all is too much for most opposing teams, if not all opposing teams. That's what makes the Pittsburgh Penguins so good. That's why they're number five. Number four, Tampa Bay Lightning. Why? Winners out of five of their past six. Been playing really well. And they have the best goaltender in the league. You can see it. Andre Vasilevsky, when he plays, he is stellar. He's on his game. When he doesn't play, it's just not a guaranteed win. Whereas if he plays, you know you feel like he's guaranteed. He'll give up a goal. Two if the other team's lucky. But he strikes fear into the hearts of opposing players, whereas the other goalies on that team do not, and they just look shaky playing against other teams. Number three, the Florida Panthers. Why? They're on a four-game winning streak, and to me, they have great depth and great coaching. The ability to overcome injuries, especially to Ekblad, uh, Joel Quinville, and the team that he's put together in his coaching job has been phenomenal at Florida, having them in the midst of the race in the Central as the second best team there. Number two, the Vegas Golden Knights. They've won six of their past seven before yesterday. Uh, Robin Leonard being the problem and giving up three goals uh, to the Wild. Mark andre Fleury is clearly their number one goaltender this year. And to me, he's been the second best goaltender. And they've had the best defense Anchored by Pietrangelo and Alex Martinez and Shea Theodore. This defense has been outstanding. And even their offensive players are great defensively. Mark Stone, William Carlson, uh, Alex Tuck. They're just all really good. Both ends of the game. Buffett number one team is the Carolina Hurricanes. On a five-game winning streak. Looking like they're going to wrap up this president's trophy soon. And they have the best offense, even with players injured like Smeshnikov going in and out of the lineup. Sebastian Ajo has been great. Vincent Trocek, Nisik. This offense has been high-flying, talented all year. Their defense getting in on it as well. That's why the Hurricanes are the best team in the NHL right now. So you have my top five, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Carolina Hurricanes. And tonight, I will be picking one game, and one game only. And of course, that game has to be the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers for simple reasons. And that's because it's the Rangers' revenge night. That is what it is. I believe Tom Wilson will be playing, even though if I was the Capitals... You know, I would not uh, put him in because it might get very, very ugly tonight 
I believe the Rangers have called up some of their people from AHL as well, some of their heavy hitters, and I believe they're going to be going after Tom Wilson East tonight. Even other dirty players, Matt Cook, notorious dirty player in NHL, said that Tom Wilson is a predator. His game is predatory, is what he said. Daniel Carcillo, another rough rider in his day, said the same thing about Tom Wilson. He is just a different type of animal with no respect for the game of hockey itself. That's why he's on the same line with Ovechkin to rough people up. That's why he gets an occasional goal because you're on the same line with a grade 8. Um, but that's all you do. So I believe I believe Igor Shesterkin is going to have an amazing night tonight. I believe he's going to pitch a shutout. It's going to be hard for the Rangers to score you know, with Chris Kreider out, Panarin out. Uh, I believe another defenseman is out as well. But they're going to go for Tom Wilson. And I'm usually I'm not for players, you know, retaliating, going all for it. But since the situation wasn't handled properly by the NHL, I am now all for it. I hope it doesn't get too crazy out there. But if they go for Tom Wilson's knees and hammer fists, punches start getting thrown, and haymakers, it could get very ugly tonight. Uh, and then it's going to be sad when, you know, when your players get suspended after this game and you remediate the situation, you know, when you should have taken care of things earlier, and that's what NHL should have done. Uh, but tonight's game is going to be going crazy. I'm going crazy for Rangers tonight. Might be breaking out my Rangers jersey because I will not stand for Tom Wilson and the things he has done in the past and is still doing. And then finally wrapping this up with little baseball is just Astros-Yankees. Yankees with a great win yesterday, not by their starting pitching, but by their runs. Stanton is on fire. LeMahieu also as well. They looked really good yesterday. The fans are out. The Trastros, of course, other than the Dodgers, the team that hates the Astros the most is the New York Yankees. Uh, Heckling, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, that's just too good. And another one on tonight, Garcia versus Montgomery. I don't think this will be a pitching matchup, but if Stanton's playing the way he has been playing as of lately, and they get support their runs, they just support their pitcher, this is going to be a very fun series to go along with it tomorrow. I hope we get a Yankees sweep. Yesterday was more May the 4th be with you. It was all Star Wars themed, which was enjoyable because the Yankees are the evil empire still. That'll be a nickname that sticks with them forever. But right now, they don't look like the evil empire. The Astros are really... The evil empire, they're disgusting, and the Yankees are beating up on them, and I love it. And I have the Yankees winning again tonight. Big night for both teams in New York, but Rangers and the Yankees, both at home in MSG and at Bronx Stadium. A lot to watch. Hope everybody has a great rest of their day. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.